This podcast is brought to you by the IIEA, the Institute of International and European Affairs. Join the discussion on IIEA.com and access our engaging videos, blogs and podcasts. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Catherine Meenan and I chair the Germany group um, in the Institute. Uh, and thank you for being with us this afternoon. We're very pleased to have Dr. Francisca Brandner, who's the part, who's the spokesperson in the Bundestag on European affairs for the German uh, Alliance 90 and the Greens. Um, she, her, she'll speak in this webinar on the Green Party's ambition to invest heavily in climate neutral technology, how to stimulate innovation, and to use the European Green Deal and the EU Recovery Fund to help propel Europe towards a social ecological economy. She's been spokesperson since 2018. She's a member of the Commission on European Union in the Bundestag and a deputy chair, a deputy a member on the Committee on Foreign Affairs. She's been a member of the Alliance 90 the Greens since 2013. She's also been a member of the European Parliament. She has a double degree in political science and economics from Science Po in Paris and Columbia University in New York, with a PhD from Mannheim, which focused on the United Nations. Uh, before we begin, Dr. Brandner, I'd just like to say formally how deeply sorry we all are about the terrible events that are happening in Germany. And you have all our condolences and solidarity. So over to you. Yeah, thank you uh, for having me. It's a pleasure being able with you. Oh, somebody needs to turn off their mic. Um, and it's, you know, being with you via digital is not as nice as uh, without, but it's still better. <laughs> um, and as you said, really it's been terrible uh, since we woke up yesterday morning and heard about the news it's just devastating to see that so many people lost their homes lost everything over 50 people lost their lives we're still about 70 people missing um yeah it's shocking to see and we are very grateful for all the emergency helpers that are out there and trying to still rescue people but it's also evident you know the power of nature um and it was really you know it just takes an entire building away it's quite I don't know if you've watched the uh, scenes, but it's, yeah, it's scary. And it's, um, it shows us again, what our, the big task of our generation is. Um, so if you allow me to start with this, because it's really on our German minds uh, today. Um, and I said, I still do the seminar with you because I think it's important um, to stay in European touch, but yeah. Um, it is about freedom, you know, we have had recently a ruling of the, our um, Supreme Court ruling that um, our climate, the law, the climate law by the current government needs to be improved because with the low ambition it had, it would entail on the freedom rights of next generations. Um, and I think that this is really the case. You know, if you see what's happening, if we don't do enough against climate destruction today, we will pay such a heavy price, not just financially, that's evident, but in lives and in our choices that we then only have. So for us, climate protection is, of course, about 
the climate, but it's also about protecting our liberties, our freedom, our possibilities to act in this world, to live in this world, um, and to keep our prosperity. Uh, and we also are fundamentally convinced that if we go on like today, we will lose not just freedoms, but we will lose also our prosperity. Uh, because some will develop the new technologies. I'm convinced there are enough smart people out in this world who will do it. Uh, and the question is just if we in Europe, in Germany, in my state, will still then have the jobs that go with it, or if we will be the importers. Um, and I hope that we will be able to be at the forefront of innovation and technology so that we can also keep our prosperity and our jobs. Um, we have seen that with the car industry in Germany, uh, where unfortunately for quite a number of years, they rather went into cheating um, on emissions instead of going into innovation. Uh, and they've been paying a high price for it, not just in terms of fines that they have to pay now, but also in terms of you know, being behind companies like Tesla, Renault and others. Uh, and we know that they had also the plans in the cupboard, but they didn't want to use it um, because they still believed that the future is with the emission car. Um, and we just need to make sure that such, you know, really uh, detrimental decisions won't happen again because then we will lose the industry and we will lose the jobs and our prosperity with it. So our focus is on um, keeping the freedoms, uh, keeping our prosperity, but making it fit on this planet because we only have one planet. Uh, and that's the big challenge for our generation. And I wanna outline a bit uh, how we, what our proposal for that is as a Green Party in Germany. We do inspire, uh, ourselves by our green colleagues in other European partner, uh, countries, our partner parties. Uh, we have, you know, received many ideas there. Um, and we are, the Greens are in six European governments, uh, as you might know, Austria, Netherlands, uh, sorry, Austria, Belgium, Luxembourg, Ireland, uh, Sweden, Finland, uh, did I forget one? Ireland, Sweden, Finland, Austria, uh, Belgium, and Luxembourg. Yeah, those six governments. And we do support a, a minority government in Denmark. Um, so, you know, it's, for example, in Ireland, what they did, I thought was quite well, is to introduce uh, an alliance with um, uh, the sectors that we need to get, uh, for example, more um, improvements, innovation in housing and to, uh, with the, you know, hand, handcrafters to have more of young people going into jobs that we do need for, for example, renovating buildings, for um, having new standards, etc. cetera. Uh, so it's not just a German project, but we do have a quite Europeanized approach to it because we also fundamentally believe that we will get further if we do it as Europeans together. Um, it's not just about energy lines and having, you know, getting the energy from the north, from the wind, from the sea to the center, but also solar energy from the south to the north. So we, you know, it's also um, about innovation and investing in them and getting faster forward uh, than going it alone. So as a European project, uh, we do uh, support the European Green Deal perspective. You just mentioned it, the commission uh, presented it two days ago, quite a big package. Uh, 
Um, and it's good because it's no longer just objectives and figures. It's uh, very concrete proposals for how to get there. And I think it's good that we get to this point of, uh, you know, concrete steps. And we do um, base our approach on three pillars. Uh, the first pillar is uh, CO2 pricing. Like it's an old green idea that prices have to speak reality uh, and, and need to reflect the costs that a production, for example, has on the environment, also on our social well-being, uh, on health, uh, and that these, the, these consequences, the negative ones, need to be uh, in the price of the product as well. So the idea of a CO2 price for us um, is quite a, a long-standing one. We introduced a, um, a CO2 already tax in, in the 90s. Uh, it has been rechanged since then, but the idea is an old one. And uh, what we have discovered since um, is that there are limits to going uh, to getting the change over pricing, um, because of course the objective is that uh, polluting products or ways of proce procedures of production, etc., will be too expensive, and that companies and consumers will switch to less polluting ones. Um, but we have seen that there are two limits to it. The one is that you need to have a social uh, rebalancing mechanism because if you go by a pricing, whatever for, um, it has a lesser burden for rich people just because you can you don't really notice the differences if you're really rich and you do notice it very well if you have a small budget. Uh, so you need a rebalancing, a social rebalancing. We as Greens do propose uh, for an increase uh, in the CO2 pricing, uh, we call it a Bürgerenergiegeld, so the citizens' energy money. And the idea is that every cent that the state gets in addition for high, higher CO2 prices will flow back to every citizen, adult and, uh, and children, uh, per capita, and thereby have a social uh, justice uh, impact because of course, you know, an amount of 200, 300 euros does represent much for somebody with a lower budget and not much for somebody with a um, richer, uh, somebody richer. But also that, you know, if you are rich, usually you have bigger houses, you have bigger cars, so you do spend more and you get uh, relatively compared to that less back. Um, so that's our social component in the CO2 pricing, which is really important for us to, to get through. The current government in Germany is increasing CO2 prices without a social, um, rebalancing mechanism and we think it really needs to go hand in hand. And the second limitation to pricing is that you you put the weight on the consumers. Okay, so it's consumers who have to pay a price, uh, be it, you know, if you have it in the transport sector or if you have it in the building sector where we still have to do a lot in Europe. Um, uh, so you put it on those people renting out houses, for example, and what you don't get is uh, fast enough an incentive for innovation uh, and that you have to drive the prices very high to get um, uh, a real impact in terms of consumer choices uh, and innovation incentives. So that's why we say there are areas where we have to uh, also really uh, get to innovation by setting CO2 standards uh, or 
you know, saying this product or this element like glyphosate is just no longer acceptable because it's so destructive for climate and environment. Um, so that's part of the logic of saying you can't do everything by a pricing because the innovation won't be fast enough and consumers burden will be too high. Um, this is quite an interesting debate now uh, inside the EU because the Commission proposed a second emissions uh, trading scheme for transport sector and housing. Uh, we're not in favor of that. We prefer to go via standards uh, in this area, you know, that we, we have car emission freeze from 2030 on, that we set um, emission ceilings for buildings, etc. Um, so it will be interesting to see if we get a good mixture already between pricing and regulation. And then the third, the third pillar is investments in innovation, technology and infrastructure, because we know that the private sector is investing heavily in future technologies, but we also know that we will need support for it uh, in some areas, in some industrial areas. Um, and that's where we have or where we are supporting the idea of the contract for differences that uh, you know between the current price of CO2 and the future one or the price that we would need uh, so that the price would really speak the truth about um, about CO2 uh, pollution uh, that the difference uh, will be paid to companies so that they can invest in new technologies and with the price increasing in reality they will get less support and one day when it switches um, they will have to pay back. So the idea is to front finance investments that maybe today are not um, affordable to companies or, or sectors like steel uh, and to thereby go the way together. So that's the um, idea of really investing um, in new technologies, in innovation. And the second part of that is infrastructure. We know that we need more trains, faster trains, better trains, safer trains, uh, buses, bike lanes, uh, better energy lines, transport of energy, et cetera. So we do have to improve our infrastructure. And that also won't be for free. So we need to really invest there. Um, and, and that's the third pillar is really in investments in innovation and infrastructure. Um, and of course, if you take one thing out, it might not seem radical enough uh, from our program, but it's really important to see that we have a holistic approach in terms of you know, using different elements of achieving the objectives of climate protection. So maybe that much from my side. Um, we also foresee lots of reskilling or new skilling, uh, labor training, et cetera, to support areas that have an especially hard transition um, and, and to do wherever it's possible, citizens participation in the process so that we do advance faster. Because we have seen that if you do, for example, big infrastructure projects, if you do involve citizens early on, you get better results and you advance faster. Um, so that's also part of our approach. This podcast is brought to you by the IIEA, the Institute of International and European Affairs. Join the discussion on IIEA.com and access our engaging videos, blogs and podcasts.